Welcome to the Binge Eating to Food Freedom podcast with Katie Papo. Our mission is to share the simplest and most peaceful system for food freedom in the world with people who suffer from binge eating, food addiction, and compulsive overeating. We are here to show that with the right strategy and support, any committed, coachable, and resourceful individual can feel peaceful and free with food. Hello, hello, and welcome to another live stream. And this is class number three already out of our four week, um, out of our four week training to end binge eating permanently. So I'm very excited to be here today. And um, I'm I actually oh yay hey Amy so nice to see you and hi Nancy so yeah guys if you're here say hello I love seeing you here I feel like so much more interactive when you when you um, say hello and share your comments and your questions and all those things. So as we go throughout this talk today, and there's going to be, spoiler alert, there's going to be a lot today. Like we're going through a lot of stuff. Um, and I already gave myself a pep talk that I need to be efficient here and not go off on tangents. So I'm, I'm ready for this. I hope you're ready for it too. Nice to see you, Lori. Nice to see you, Jen. So happy you guys are here. Love this crew that I can see already. Um, so as you have questions, you know, I'm, I'm going to have slides. As you guys know, the first two classes, I also had slides. I'm going to have slides again. So I won't always be able to see your questions and stuff. Still write them because I always go back and look at them. And if I do happen to see them and, and they go along with what we're talking about, I'll be able to answer them on the spot. Also keep in mind, I'm compiling some commonly asked questions so I can do a little bit of a Q&A with you guys. Um, hi, Laura. Nice to see you. Good morning. All right. I'm happy to see you guys. Welcome, welcome. Let's do it. So I'm just going to share my screen. So just give me a little moment here. Okay. I got really good at this tech stuff. <laughs> Okay, let's just make sure that looks good. Okay, so you should see training number three. And today's title is called Hunger, Satisfaction, and Emotional Eating. Leave it to me to not come up with a creative title here, but it is descriptive, right? So um, these last couple of weeks, we've gone through the superpower, right? How to train ourselves into the parasympathetic so that way we can do the next level of work. And um, today we're going to start to go into that next level of work. And this is actually for those of you like Amy, for those of you who have done our program before, like you've been through this, right? This is going to be a refresher for you. Um, but keep in mind that as we go, you know, this is what you did in phases two and three. So we're putting a lot into a small window here. So my goal in creating this for you guys today, especially those of you who haven't worked with us uh, privately, right, is I wanted to focus on the most important concepts rather than getting into nitty gritty things because the nitty gritty stuff are more things that are gonna come as you practice. So I'm still gonna give you some ideas of what to expect, obstacles to look out for, here are the common resistances that most people experience at some point. So that way, as you're practicing on your own and you feel like, oh, I don't know what's happening or something like that comes up, then you'll be able to say, oh, Katie said that this would happen. All right, I'm, this is normal. <laughs> so you guys will be able to practice and still have a sense of, okay, I'm on the right track. So let's dive into this, guys. 
So here's the agenda. You guys know I like to set agendas and be organized. So let's go through this. So first, intention and mindset. I'm going to zoom through this because this will be a review. Then we're going to go into um, dieting and rules versus what we're going to be speaking about today, body listening. So you're going to be able to see the differences between what you might have done already and what we're doing now. So that way you can see the direct um, the direct reasons why one would or wouldn't work for you. Um, next, we're going to go into hunger and we're also going to we're going to go into the principles around hunger and some common resistances that I see around these principles. And we're going to do the same exact thing for satisfaction and then for emotional eating. So these three things, like I said, I gave myself a pop, a pep talk <laughs> to, to go through these things in a very um, uh, focused way so we can get through all of it. Then we're going to do a short practice together live. Then we're going to go over how to practice at home this week. So that way you have tangible things that you can actually sit down and do and know exactly what you're doing. And um, and I'll also give you at the end, I wrote down some obstacles, some really common things that I see all the time, obstacles to watch out for. So that way, as you're practicing at home and you go into this with this intention of here I am practicing, as these obstacles come up, you'll be like, oh, I know what that is. Oh, I know what that is. And that way they won't seem as daunting. They're more just going to serve you in your growth. Does that make sense? And then, of course, we'll summarize. So. First things first, intention and mindset. Okay, so quick review. We want to do consistency over perfection. I know that we all love the idea of being perfect, but when it comes to creating a, a, a practice based in longevity, right, we want this to be sustainable. We want this to be lifelong. We want this to be easier and easier as you go until it doesn't even feel like you're trying, right? That's what we want. That So for that, we need to make the goal consistency over trying to do it perfectly. So let yourself set the intention now. I don't need to be perfect. I'm willing actually to be imperfect so I can learn and I can grow and I can develop myself. Um, next bit, every bit counts versus all or nothing. Okay, so I know the all or nothing mentality is is very prevalent in, in our world, right? Because it's that whole concept of, ah, screw it. I'll just eat everything I want tonight and then start again tomorrow. That's a perfect example of the all or nothing. Um, here, because we're working with rewiring the brain and rewiring our physiology, every little bit is gonna count and we don't need to get it perfect. In fact, it's better if we don't hold ourselves to that because the more we allow ourselves to just do any amount, right? You guys know the any amount principle. The more we let ourselves do any amount, every every amount is a step closer, is a step in the right direction. And that's where we want to be is creating these new uh, neural patterns, these new loops. Uh, patience. Patience versus quick fix. So again, this isn't about turning on or off a light switch and having it be that quick. It is quick, right? Oops, what the heck is happening? It is quick, but what we need to do is we need to allow um, allow the gradual nature of this to just take place. Allow, oops, I just knocked my glasses off the wall. We want to allow, um, we want to allow ourselves grace. Ultimately, that's what it is. It's grace, just allowing things to unfold in our own divine timing. And of course, we want to come into it with a beginner's mind. We don't want to come into it as a know-it-all of, oh, I've tried this and that didn't work. You are a different person today than you've ever been. 
might not feel like that, but you are. And every choice you make today can be new, right? So we want to go into it with that idea of the beginner's mind. We want to be curious about our experience instead of judging ourselves. And we'll talk more about judgment today. So we want to have that researcher mind, like that ob observer versus like, I need to have this result and it needs to be by this deadline. And it needs to look exactly like this. That's not how we create things. Instead, we want to know where we're going and what we want to build. But we want to come at it with a spirit of um, lightness and curiosity um, where we're focused on our growth and our healing more so than forcing ourselves into a specific outcome at a specific time. Does that make sense? So the other piece here is for all of this, every, every tool that we teach, for all of this to work the best, right? We need to release the food rules. We need to release the weight obsession. Both of these things fuel binge urges more than anything else. And I'm sure you guys have had this experience already as you're seeing. So the temp, the, the, the allure, right, of, of the food rules is that it offers structure and we love structure, right? We want to feel like, just tell me the rules and I'll just follow the rules. But we also know it's not as simple as that. So what, what, so I don't want to take away your structure, right? Because that can feel like chaos. We don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want you to feel chaotic. Instead, I want to give you a new kind of structure. So that way you don't need to rely on these restrictions and this scarcity energy in order to succeed, right? Because we know that historically hasn't worked. So instead, you're going to be focused on using new types of tools for your structure rather than food rules. Okay, so the first thing we need to go over today, which is really important. Um, uh, so basically, let me back backpedal for a second. So in order to fully embrace the practice of body listening, I've found is it's equally important to understand why what you've been doing, dieting, food rules, restriction, why those don't work. Okay. Because we need to understand, and not only that, but we need to understand the connection between the food rules and the restriction and body listening and how they, how the, how one will affect the other. So the problems that are prevalent with the diet mentality restriction or the food rules approach are the following. So first of all, there's two types of deprivation here that happen when we do those things. We have the physiological deprivation where the body, you know, we're basically creating this artificial famine for the body and the body doesn't know what's a real famine and what's what's chosen. Right. All it knows it's is I need to survive. That's the body's goal is I need to survive. So whether we've chosen to create that starvation or not, um, the body doesn't know the difference. So all the body knows is physiologically, I need to adapt myself to survive. Um, and that in itself will create binge urges, right? If we feel like we, we don't have food, we want to, when we see food, we'll want to eat all of it, right? Whereas, um, on another similar note, we have the psychological deprivation, right? As soon as if, if we were to go on a diet together and I said, okay, right, we're going on a diet starting tomorrow, no chocolate. It's the only rule, but no chocolate for any of us, right? So what are we going to do today? If our diet doesn't start tomorrow, what are we going to eat today? We're going to eat chocolate, right? Because I didn't, maybe I wasn't in the mood for chocolate, but because now I've been told I can't have it now, psychologically, this is what I want. So so the first problem with the diet restriction kind of food rules approach is the physiological uh, deprivation 
and the psychological deprivation because both of those things fuel binge urges. Um, the second problem, and you'll see the second bullet point there, is it fails permanent weight loss. A lot of people, the only reason we would even try dieting or restriction or food rules in the first place is for weight loss, right? That's one of the, that's the biggest reason I hear anyway from you guys. That's why I was doing it. So, so um, I put a statistic there. There's different studies, like many people have studied this. Um, some, some people have said it's more than 80% of the time that it fails permanent weight loss. Some has said 90, some has said 95%, some has said 98%. Um, but the truth is, it is all those numbers are pretty high, right? So if you used an acne cream that said, oh, well, at first all your acne will go away, but then you'll have even more acne when you finish, right? Who would buy that acne cream? Yet this is what we keep doing with dieting is not only does it fail permanent weight loss, but then if you look at my third bullet point is it actually fuels more weight gain. And this has been shown scientifically. This has been shown in, in psychology journals. It's amazing that this industry still exists. Um, but this has been, and, and we all know it, right? Cause we've lived it. Like we don't need the studies to tell us that once the diet's over, we regain the weight back, you know, plus more usually. So, and, and this can happen multiple, multiple times as we keep going. And that's what's known as the, the binge restrict cycle or yo-yo dieting, right? Is the process of losing the weight, gaining it back plus more than losing the weight, gaining it back plus more. And then each time it happens, it becomes more and more difficult um, to lose the weight and easier and easier to gain the weight back. And there are biological reasons for that. Um, one of the reasons which I put in my fourth bullet point here is it slows metabolism as much as 40%. So again, I'm sure different studies will show different numbers, but the point is, is that when we, um, when we stop ourselves from being able to eat regularly right, and eat when we're hungry and, and stop when we're full and we're trying to control it in this way, the body goes into that mode of, I need to protect myself because I'm sensing starvation, I'm sensing deprivation, so therefore I need to slow my metabolism down, burn less fat. So as we diet, we become worse fat burners and we our metabolism slows down and we gain more weight. And not only that, but our fat storage increases. So if I were to, just to, because a lot of people use calories as a way to restrict, right? So if you, if you lowered your calories from let's say 2000 to 1200, right? Your body's going to slow down your metabolism to adjust itself to the 1200. But then as when you return to, let's say 2000 calories a day, right? Then what does the body do? The, metab the, the metabolism takes time to adjust. It's not automatic. And, and I mean, most studies, I think, show that it takes up to one year. So in the meantime, what are we doing is we're holding on to all of that extra calories that the, or as the body perceives it now, extra calories, and that's stored as fat. So it becomes easier to gain weight, harder to lose it, even though you're eating less and less and less. Does that make sense? So it's maddening to the mind, which is saying, you're eating so much less, why are you gaining weight so much more? But this is why. Um, so, and not only that, and I, I wanted to make sure to put this in my last bullet point here is that one of the most maddening things, and this was one of my biggest hangups about the whole thing about this whole, you know, cycle is that this, this level of deprivation and trying to control, it fuels the food obsession. 
So now it's not just that the body is suffering and that it's hard on the body, but now the mind is consumed. And that's the, that's the scary part is when we lose control of the mind. And that's the scary part about binging, right? Is we, we feel like we can't control ourselves. It's the lack of control. So um, the more obsessed we become with food, the more we keep thinking about it, the more we're thinking about it now when we're not even eating, right? We might be with family. We might be having a day at the beach with, the, with our families. And yet we're thinking about how many calories is in that? Should I eat now? Should I wait till later? You know, and it's consume it when it comes to the point where it's consuming life and time, right? Time is life. When it's consuming our lives, then we're missing out on all of the beautiful things in front of us. So that's these, so this, these problems go a lot deeper. Not that health issues aren't important and that, you know, body stuff doesn't matter. But I know that for a lot of people, it's the mental component that that is is the most difficult piece because it's 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 the loss of control of the mind, it's the loss of control of emotions, um, and it's obsession. And and when we when the mind is obsessed, it's very difficult to to feel like we're in control. So as we as restriction fuels binge, so restriction fuels binge urges, weight gain, and obsession. This is the bottom line, okay? Um, but there's a deeper bottom line than this: that not only do diets teach you not to listen to your body, right? But they actually teach you to actively ignore or override your body's signals. Right. So just as some quick examples, let's say you wake up in the morning, um, you don't feel hungry, but your diet says, hey, eat 30 grams of protein every morning. So now you're force feeding yourself. Or let's say your diet says don't eat, you know, between two and four p.m. I'm just making up rules here because let's face it, we've heard them all. Um, so let's say the, the, the diet says don't eat between two and four p.m. And then at three, you're really hungry. Now you're forcing yourself not to eat until 401. Right. So, so you see how you're so the dieting, it does not aid us in listening to the body. Instead, it does the exact opposite. Diet mentality teaches us to actively ignore or override your body's signals. That's what restrictive dieting does, um, which if we want food freedom, that's a major problem because our freedom depends on us being able to communicate with our bodies properly. And in order to do that, we need to listen to the signals, right? Because instead of working against your body, you need to work with it. So dieting takes you in the complete opposite direction from that. So we're gonna be talking about body listening today and how to use that effectively. So that way, because here's the truth is I think most people actually are aware on at least some level that dieting is part of the problem, right? That it is fueling the binges, that restriction is fueling the binges. So why do we keep doing it? Is it because we're silly? <laughs> is it because we're bored? Is it because we're dumb? None of those things. Um, what I found is that most people actually know that that's a problem and that it creates more issues in the long run, but we don't know what else to do because we feel like if we get rid of that, then it's just chaos. So we need to understand what to put there instead. And that's what this talk is really gonna be about.
Um, so that way you can hear your body's signals and learn to start communicating with, with, with your body and develop that self-trust. So that way you're not going to follow things anymore that teach you to override or ignore your body's signals. Does that make sense? Am I making sense to you guys so far? This stuff, um, let me know in the comments because this, this is an important piece to understand. Um, so now we want to get into body listening, right? Because that's what we're here for is, is not just to learn what we don't want. It's to learn how to cultivate what we do want. And that's, that's an important key. So body listening, um, it's really just about learning a new kind of language. We actually have a, a podcast on this ca called um, like how to speak the body's language. It's something like that. So if you haven't listened to that, be sure to do that because it'll go even more in depth probably than I will today. But the bottom line is, is you want to under is is first of all to understand that the body communicates differently than the mind communicates, okay? And we don't want to confuse the mind and the body because um, the body's the one that's actually eating, <laughs> and the mind is the more of the observer. Um, so the body, the way the body communicates, is different than the mind. The body will communicate primarily with physical sensations, okay? So if I were to touch a hot stove. How does the body communicate? I will feel pain right away and I'll have that reflex to take my hand away. Um, if I eat too much, what is the body gonna start to do? I'm gonna start to feel pain, right? I don't know if, about you guys, but I many, many times have eaten past the point of pain where I was in so much pain that I could barely you know, move and I would have to like lay down in order for the pain to even become manageable enough to walk around. So the body does, and, and the reason I bring up that, that example of pain is because I hear from a lot of you that you don't have body signals anymore. Oh, I would listen to my body, but my signals are all so confused from all the dieting, I don't even have signals anymore. The truth is, is your body's been communicating with you this entire time. You've trained yourself not to listen. That's what the dieting does, is it trains us not to listen, to listen to the rules instead of to listen, listening to the actual physical sensations. So instead of speaking the language of your body, you're speaking the language of the food rules. So it's not that you've lost your ability. Everyone has the ability. It doesn't matter how old you are. I don't care if you're 105 years old. You have this ability and your body has been doing it. Now it's just about quieting the mind enough that you can hear it. Does that make sense? You have it. I promise you. I've never met a person ever who hasn't been able to do this ever. Um, so let's get into how. So there's a few physical sensations that we're going to go over today. The first one is going to be hunger. Now, hunger is a tool. I want you to think of hunger because a lot of times and I see with dieting and I see with even, you know, programs that label themselves similar like we do, like food freedom, I still see a lot of rules in a lot of these things. And I want to emphasize here, we want to treat hunger as a tool that you can use to your advantage rather than a rule that you have to follow to succeed. You, he you hear that distinction? Hunger is a tool that you can use for your advantage to gain sort of intel about what's going on but we're not going to treat it like a rule. We don't want to put, we don't want to bring rule energy into our process here. So let's go over first the basics. Like what does hunger feel like? Let's remember. Okay. 
So hunger, and this is not an exhaustive list. I'm just giving some examples. Hunger might feel like rumbling or pang in the stomach. You can write in the comments too, anything that you feel physically, right? Not mentally, physically, let's stick with physical, um, that you feel when you experience hunger. So you might get lightheaded. I know for me, I start to get a little hangry, some, it's a little irritable and cranky. Um, you might feel lower energy. It might be more difficult to concentrate. Um, so this is what hunger feels like. I also thought it might be worthwhile to put at the bottom here what hunger isn't, right? So that way we don't get confused. So hunger is not thirst. The hunger and thirst centers are close in the brain. So sometimes we're thirsty, but we think we're hungry. Um, so hunger is not thirst. Hunger is not, um, if you feel low energy from a lack of rest, I know a lot of um, us I'm raising my hand because I definitely would be in this group. Those of us who have struggled with sugar a lot in the past, a lot of times when we crave sugar, we're lacking energy from rest rather than real hunger. Um, hunger is not emotions like sadness or anger or frustration. Hunger is also not um, salivating or getting that feeling just from seeing food or smelling food, like just from those triggers. Um, and hunger is also not mouth cravings. And by mouth cravings, I mean just the desire for chewing or sucking or chomping or just feeling things in your mouth. Um, so, so here's just a little idea of what hunger feels like and what it doesn't feel like. So you can ask yourself now, what does hunger tend to feel like for you? It's not gonna be exactly the same every time, but what are some of the patterns that you notice when you feel hunger? And also keep in mind, hunger is a spectrum as well, right? It's not hungry or not hungry. It's how hungry am I? Because we can get, you know, pretty painful in how in how hungry we can be. Or we might just feel like, oh, just the, the starting signs of hunger. So keep in mind also there's a bit of a spectrum and we don't need to get perfect here or exact. Um, now, why are we talking about hunger? <laughs> why do we want to use hunger as a tool? So there's a few reasons. Again, this is not an exhaustive list, but for our purposes, let's focus on these. So first of all, hunger is the best sauce. We're gonna talk about pleasure shortly, um, but it's very important um, that you, you do experience pleasure when you eat. So when you're hungry, food tastes the best. I remember, um, I'm, I, I love fruit, but apples were never really my favorite fruit. And I remember my dad and I, we were going on a hike. This was years ago. We were going on a hike together. And I just grabbed a couple apples because they were on the counter. And I just brought them on the hike. We got up to the first peak. And we were both really hungry. We were really feeling it, stomachs grumbling, all of the signs that we just looked at on the last slide. And neither of us were big fans of apples. But we each took an apple. And I promise you, it was the best apple I've ever eaten because I was so hungry. And when when you are when you're hungry, food tastes the best. So hunger is a really great tool to increase your satisfaction when you eat. The more satisfied when we we are when we eat, um, the less we're going to keep looking to be satisfied because we're already satisfied. So hunger is a really great tool when used properly. Um, to improve your eating habits overall. Now, the second piece here, num bullet number two, when you're hungry, food feels the best to eat. So now we're not, we're, we're talking here 
um, kind of on two levels, really. We're talking physically and we're also talking psychologically, right? But here, what we're talking about is physically, it actually feels the best, like the body wants to eat when it's hungry. That's the best time when the body wants to eat. And also, bullet point number three, it's when your body is most physically prepared to eat. Right. That's when it that those are the actual that's where all the mechanisms, the body mechanisms, where it starts to build up its digestive uh, fires, when all of the things start working together. This is this is when the body's most prepared to eat and digest and absorb and all that stuff. Also, fourth one, fourth point here. One of the benefits of using hunger as a tool is when we have that direct comparison because now your body knows it's felt the it's physically felt the difference and it has experienced the difference between hungry and no longer hungry whereas if we start eating when we're not hungry and then we try to stop eating when we're not hungry right there where's the difference it's kind of like a muddle but if we clearly if the body clearly feels i was hungry now and i'm not anymore it can see the direct compare. It can see the the comparison between what it feels like to be hungry, what it feels like to be not hungry. Just like how you guys did last week, where sometimes in order to understand what relaxation feels like, we need to feel tension first. So we tense the body first, then we can feel the relaxation more deeply. Same thing here. When when we're clear about what hunger feels like, we're gonna we're gonna when we get that sing signal that we're no longer hungry, it's gonna be much more clear. Um, and much more relevant. Is this making sense so far? Okay, perfect. I'm glad we're all still here. <laughs> okay, next one. Oh, all right. So here are some common resistances. Now, I had some inner debate here on how deep to go into all of these, and I decided what I think would be best for the purposes of this talk is not to go deep into each one, but instead to say, here are some things you might notice. So that way, if it comes up, you know it's a common resistance. And I'll just go over each one briefly here with you. Um, so the first one is this idea of I shouldn't be hungry now, or I should be hungry now. So for example, um, let's say you ate two hours ago, and now you're starting to feel hungry again. A lot of times we'll tell ourselves, oh, you shouldn't be hungry right? But it's that should and that shouldn't that that comes from the mind, right? Not from the body. And when it's what's important here, remember, is we're focused on body listening, not mind listening. That's the focus for right now, body listening. So if the mind says, oh, that body signals wrong, then what are we doing? That's overriding the body signal, right? That's what dieting taught. That's what restriction teaches. Does that make sense? That That's what food rules teach. Oh, it's not two o'clock. You can't be hungry now. You shouldn't be feeling this. But if we are feeling it, that's important to, to honor. Um, another common resistance here is I'm not hungry, but I want to eat. This is going to fall more under the category of emotional eating, um, which we will go over towards the end of this talk. Um, but again, the reason I bring this up now is so you can just start to identify these resistances in your own mind and you can start labeling them as, oh, that's just a resistance. Oh, that's a normal thing to experience. That's a normal thought to have. 
but to not take them so seriously anymore. Because the problem with these resistances is not that they come up. The problem is that we take them so seriously when they do come up. It's okay if they come up. We can just acknowledge it and say, oh, I know it. that's a common resistance. That's okay. I'm just going to redirect myself to my focus, body listening. But if we hear these resistances in the mind and we say, oh, I shouldn't be hungry, and then we start to take it so seriously, that's when we start to fall back into the old pattern. So don't worry if it comes up. That's why I'm bringing it up because I want you to notice when it does, but to not take it so seriously any anymore, to not take it as truth. Just because the mind thinks something doesn't mean it automatically translates to truth. Does that make sense? Um, another common resistance that some people say is, I'm always hungry or I'll never be hungry. Um, and this, first of all, if you're a human being and you don't eat, <laughs> hunger will eventually come. Um, and if you always eat, hunger will not come, right? If you're always eating. So again, it's impossible but the mind will still say it. <laughs> so again, hear it, like let it, let the thought be there. It's okay. We don't need to push it away. We don't need to fight anything, but we also don't need to indulge it. We don't need to take it so seriously. Another common resistance that I hear a lot is uh, when you're a member of the clean plate club <laughs> and usually our parents are the ones who put, who, uh, puts us as members in the clean plate club where you have to clean your plate. It's bad to throw anything away. I need to eat it all. I need to treat my body like a garbage can and put whatever leftovers, you know, just so they're not wasted. Um, and what's important to remember about that is if you're stuffing yourself with what you don't want, it's still wasting it. It's important to remember that it's still wasting it. You're just putting it in yourself instead of in a garbage can. So it's important to, again, the, the whole point is to no longer treat the external cues as what's guiding you. Instead, to treat the internal cues to what as what guides you. Now, the external cues, what do I mean by that? I mean portions, right? They might say, eat this whole plate. This whole plate is the, the perfect amount of food, right? Now, if we get through that plate and then we start to feel, mm, this doesn't feel good anymore, guess what? That wasn't the perfect amount of food just because somebody said it was, right? So this is the difference between listening to an external cue versus an internal cue, okay? When we're dieting and we're listening to food rules, and we're following that, we're following external cues. Oh, it needs to be this many calories. It needs to be this size. It needs to be this volume. It needs to be this macro. It needs to be, that's all external stuff. Or, oh, I need to eat this because my parents said so, right? External stuff. I need to eat this because it's here. That's external stuff. In we're, Everything that we're doing when it comes to body listening is internal. So all your cues are coming from an inward place. Does that make sense? So it's coming from the body, the physical body. Um, another common resistance that I hear people have is if I eat, then I won't lose weight. This is also a, a common misconception, but the truth is, is what happens if we continuously don't eat the, in this way, the body does not, can no longer process when we do. And then the weight comes back much faster and much easier than ever before. So what ends up happening is if we don't eat, we end up eventually gaining the weight. So again, common thoughts to have. No one's bad for having these thoughts. 
even when you know they're not true if, and the thoughts still come up, that's not bad. There's nothing bad about thoughts. It's just a matter of what thoughts are you choosing to indulge? What thoughts are you choosing to perpetuate and believe in? Um, but if the thoughts come up and you're just like, oh, I recognize that, but now I'm redirecting myself back to my internal cues, back to my body listening, then there's no harm in even experiencing the thought. Does that make sense? Okay, so really what we wanna do, and here's the bottom line, and this is what I really mean by listening for hunger as a tool. Hunger's your messenger, okay? So if a baby is crying for food, would you tell them, oh, you shouldn't be hungry yet. <laughs> Wait a few hours when the clock strikes three, right? We wouldn't do that, we wouldn't deprive. Why? Because a baby is helpless. And guess what? So is the body. Without our permission, right, without our conscious permission, the body can't eat. The body can't just like get up and feed itself without our permission, right? So, and that's a lot of time where we are exerting our willpower to not eat, right? That's how we know is the body is like that baby. It's screaming, please, please feed me. And we're saying, no, 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 no. So, what happens then? The body rebels, all the things we talked about in the beginning, we end up gaining weight, we end up binging, all those things come as a side effect of that. Now, so what we're really doing here is when the body expresses something through its, its own way of communicating, we're here to be listeners. So that way we can say, oh, let me work with you instead of, oh, screw you, you don't know what you're doing. I'm gonna work against you. I'm gonna try to control you. I'm gonna try to manipulate you. Instead, what we're saying is, what's that? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> Let's work together. That's the difference in energy, is you're working with yourself instead of against yourself. You're working with your biology. You're working with yourself psychologically. You're working with yourself physically. So ultimately what you're setting yourself up for and what you're setting your body up for is a much more harmonious experience where the mind can get on board with what you're doing because you're no longer depriving yourself. The body can get on board with what you're doing because it no longer sees what you're doing as like something it needs to survive or fight. So what ends up happening naturally is the body starts to find its equilibrium. It feels safe to release fat. It feels safe to return to what is your um, ideal metabolism. It feels safe, you know, to do to, to lose weight because it doesn't have to worry about survival. So the body and the mind, right, can work together with you to achieve the goals that you've always had, but with way less resistance and way more peace. So that's hunger. Now, hunger is one of the tools that we're talking about today, but there's another side to that. We also need to talk about satisfaction, right? So let's talk about satisfaction. Okay, now in order to talk about satisfaction properly, let me just see what I'm doing for time. Oh yeah, this is great. Oh, I see some comments. I'll look at them in a second. So, okay. We need to talk about this difference. And I think, I, yeah, I do actually have a whole podcast on this too. Actually, if you're interested, I think it's actually called Eating for Pleasure versus Fuel. <laughs> so you can always search for that as well. Um, but we do need to talk about eating for pleasure versus eating for fuel. Because one of the common things that I hear from some of you is, if only I could just eat for fuel and not for pleasure, I wouldn't have this binge eating issue. 
So what I'm seeing, and I see this in our group as well, as I see people trying to avoid pleasure with food and to just treat it like fuel. And then there's all this frustration around that because it's, why isn't this working? Why am I still binging? Why, 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 why is this happening to me? Why can't I stop this? And the answer is that, first of all, the strategy here is, is working against you. Because when you eat for pleasure, you're going to eat much more naturally. You're going to become much more satisfied. And your, your behavior and mindset around it is going to mirror more of what, uh, I hate to use the word normal, but I want to say like a peaceful eater would experience. Whereas when we're eating solely for fuel, we're depriving ourselves in a different level because we're depriving ourselves psychologically from experiencing benefits and sometimes also physically, which I'll go over too. So in order to overcome something like binge eating and that habit um, or food addiction or emotional eating or and you you name whatever it is that you struggle with. I know sometimes people call it overeating or compulsive eating. I use the word binge eating kind of as an umbrella term, but if that doesn't resonate with you, you insert whatever your language is here. But for any of that, when it comes to eating, pleasure matters and pleasure is the key. And when we try to take pleasure out, it's going to make things harder, not easier. Because the body, and remember, we want to work with the body, not against it. So your body wants you to experience pleasure. It also wants to avoid pain, right? And that's one of the reasons why a lot of times we're drawn to the binges because right at the start of the binge, that's the most pleasurable experience because it's relief from all the anxiety that led up to the binge, right? So we want that pleasure. The problem is, is when then it turns into pain. So, but the body always wants you to experience pleasure and avoid pain. And the more we allow ourselves to experience pleasure with eating, the more satisfied we will be. The more satisfied we are, the less we have the urge to binge, right? When have you ever felt the urge to binge when you were satisfied, right? We have the urge when we're not satisfied. So therefore we, it begs the question, how do we create satisfaction for ourselves? You see that line of logic there? Let me know if you have any questions because I know sometimes I talk too fast or I can skip things. So please just let me know if anything's not clear to you. Um, so, okay, let's talk about satisfaction because in order to, to really talk about how to cultivate it, we should define it somewhat, right? So I would say that physical and psychological satisfaction are both important here. So it's not just about the body being satisfied, quote unquote, in the sense that, oh, I have enough calories to operate now, right? Which is how a lot of people want to treat it. Like, oh, I just want to treat myself like a machine, put the calories in, I don't have to think about it, and that's it. And we think that that's what's going to make this easier. It's not. It makes it tenfold harder because without the satisfaction, psychologically or and, and physically, then we're going to still be seeking out satisfaction somewhere. And a lot of times we're just going to keep eating to get that satisfaction if we didn't get it the first round. And I can give you guys an example because this is probably, I mean, this was a huge aha for me, which is why I wanted to take some time with it for you guys too. 
because my experience when I was eating would often be numb. It would be um, like, like eating in front of the TV and I would, you know, I guess on some level enjoy my food, but because my mind wasn't really focused on it, I would have the experience sometime of like eating a, a sleeve of cookies and being like, where did that go? I remember eating like the first three and then magically like eight of eight more of them are gone. So notice how even though my body was there, still getting the experience, obviously the cookies still went in there, <laughs> but my mind wasn't present for it. So I got no mental satisfaction, no psychological satisfaction. It was just that the body experienced it and barely like because my mind wasn't even present to feel it. Does that make sense? I, I once had a, I, and I've shared this story before, I'm sorry if I'm repeating, but I was once giving a talk on mindful eating and um, and a lady who was in my course who was kind of like in the back, not really paying attention. I saw her later in the day and she came up to me and she said, oh my God, I went to your talk on mindful eating. Then I went to you know the boutique and I bought myself a cookie and I was checking my emails while sitting outside. And then I looked down and my cookie was gone. And at first I thought someone took it. But then she goes, and then I, but then I realized I actually ate it and I, and I was so not present when I ate it that I didn't even, I barely remembered even eating it. So notice how she had, so yes, she physically had the cookie, like she had the fuel technically, but there was no satisfaction because her mind wasn't present for the experience. Does that make sense? So in order for you to achieve the highest level of satisfaction, which is what we want, right? And by highest, I, I don't mean that you need to achieve like a perfect amount of satisfaction, right? Every, you know, any amount. Um, but in order to achieve that, we want to have both the physical piece that you feel physically satisfied, but also mentally that you feel satisfied. So here, this brings us to the first common resistance that I, that I hear the most often. And again, don't worry when this happens. I'm just saying it so you can be aware of it and know that when it comes up for you, if it comes up for you, that it's normal. Um, the first one is my body is full. I can feel my body is satisfied, but my mind isn't. My mind wants to keep going. And that's often a sign that we're, the mind isn't present or that the mind is, um, and I see this a lot when, when people are like, oh, my body's satisfied, oh, but I don't wanna stop eating. And then the mind gets agitated, right? Um, this, is a, this is the perfect time, by the way, to employ your, your tools from class one and class two to activate your parasympathetic and bring yourself down from that, that chaotic state. Um, another resistance that I hear, number two here, is someone will always say, yeah, but everything is pleasurable. Right. If I just ate for pleasure, everything's pleasurable. I'll never stop. And and that's the that that's the third one I wrote too. I'm afraid it will never stop being pleasurable. I'm afraid if I start eating this food, it's going to taste so good. I'm never going to want to stop eating it. And that's you know the the oh no, it's going to open the floodgates. That sort of argument. Now, pleasure and pain. Let me just see what. Okay, yeah. So pleasure and pain, they're all, they're within a spectrum. Okay, so what we want to do is we want to stay within the pleasure zone. Now, we're going to at some point, there's going to be, I mean, I want you to focus mostly this week on body sensations, because we want to cultivate that skill, we can deal with the mind so much more easily, once we have the body down. Um, so I don't like to jump into the mind until the body is 
under our control. So, so I don't want to get too much in the mind. And that's also what we're going to talk about next week too, is more of the mental elements of this. But what's important to understand on a physical level is that pleasure and pain are within a spectrum and they're on the same spectrum. So if I had a 10 foot long chocolate bar, right? And I start, and let's say the chocolate bar starts here and it ends here. Now, when I start eating over here and I have my first few bites, I'll experience some pleasure. Now, if I ate the whole chocolate bar all the way to this side, I'm going to experience pain. So the object is the same. It's the same chocolate bar. Nothing has changed. But if I stay on this end, it's more pleasure. And if I'm on this end, it's more pain. But don't forget, there's a whole middle here. And a lot of times when we binge, we lose the middle, right? We start eating super pleasurable. Oh my God, this feels amazing. Thank God I've been restricting for so long. I needed this, right? We feel the pleasure. We numb out or there's some kind of like blackout thing that happens. And then suddenly we're in pain. Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I'm the worst. I have so much work to do now. I can't believe, you know, and, and there's the pain. So it's, it's, and it's not just the physical pain, right? It's also the mental pain, which again, try not to digress into the mind, but they are so closely connected. It's hard to talk about one without the other. Um, so, so notice how this, it, it's on the same spectrum, the same chocolate bar can give the, can give both. It can give the pleasure and the pain. So what do we ultimately want to do is we want to stay within the pleasure zone as much as we can. Why? Because the body wants us to be in the pleasure zone. The mind wants to feel pleasure. No one wants pain. The body doesn't want pain. The mind doesn't want pain. Nobody wants it. So what we want to do is get ourselves to the place where we can be within the pleasure zone. And that's one of the reasons why I brought up hunger as being one of your tools, because hunger will allow you to make your eating most pleasurable because food will taste the best. It will also physically feel the best to eat when you're hungry. So you can use hunger as a tool to reinforce that pleasure. Now, keep in mind, there's always the spectrum, right? If we let ourselves get too hungry to the point where we're, you know, where we feel like ravenous, that's pain, right? We don't want to push ourselves all the way to pain, even with hunger, but allow, but, and, 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 I want to be careful of the way I say these things because I don't want anyone to think that there's like an exact sweet spot every single time that's going to be the same. The whole point of body listening is to listen as you go. So if I, let's say I want to plan my meal for tomorrow, I'm not going to say, oh, well, I'm going to eat half the chocolate bar because that's going to put me in the exact middle between pleasure and, and I'm going to stay within my pleasure zone and I won't reach the pain zone. But I won't know, like, I can't predict that because that's the mind saying that, right? That's not the body. The body won't actually know until it feels it. Does that make sense? The body won't know until it feels it. It's the mind that says, oh, eating half of a sandwich will be ple more pleasurable than a full sandwich. Or eating a full sandwich will be more pleasurable than a half sandwich. That's the mind. But we want to operate from the body's internal cues. And the body can only operate and give us these signals in the present moment, which is why you guys are learning to tune into the present moment and to become quiet with yourselves and to feel sensations 
so you can experience what's there. And then you get your feedback directly from your body, not from a rule, not from some weight loss person. You're getting direct feedback from your body on what will feel the best. Is it a practice? Absolutely. Will it be perfect? No. Don't expect it to be. It, the, the goal here is to cultivate your skill as a good listener. When it comes to body listening, the key, the key is being a good listener. So it's not something like that you can plan, oh, I'll eat this certain amount of food and that's going to give me, that's going to keep me in the pleasure zone. No, and actually you want to listen how you go. I'll actually share a story. Um, this was from one of our clients who she caught herself one day. She, she finished eating her meal and she caught herself saying to herself, um, I'll just allow myself to have two cookies for dessert. So already you can see the restriction, right? Oh, I'll only have two cookies. But she caught herself and she was like, oh, that's a rule. I'm making a rule for myself. I'm like setting parameters around a certain number of cookies. So she said, okay, instead, I'm just going to relax myself. Let it be a pleasurable experience. Be present while I eat the cookies and my body will tell me when I've had enough. So she sits down. She has, you know, she's not limiting herself. She takes out a cookie. She takes a couple of bites. And then when she's halfway done with her first cookie, she's like, mm, this actually, if I eat more, it won't be pleasurable anymore. So in this, and in this uh, example, she actually, when she listened to her body, she actually even ended up eating less than she would have if she was restricting herself, right? And if she had restricted herself, obviously we don't know exactly what would have happened, but historically what happened with her was she would say, oh, I had two. Let me just have one more. Let me just have one more. Because again, that's the external cues. Oh, I can only have two. Oh, I want more. Oh, I want more. That's the external. Instead, with the internal, she was listening and she was like, what feels good right now? And who knows? Maybe it would have been three cookies. Maybe it would have been four. It doesn't matter. The fact that it was a half a cookie or that's not the win that she just ate half. I mean, it is a win, but that's not the reason why. The reason why it's a win is because it came from a place of listening rather than from an external cue. It came from a place of inner listening. I'm listening to my body's signals. I'm listening to what actually feels good. And it's not that then she can never have a cookie again, right? And that she has to set some rule, oh, I can never have it or it's only I'm only allowed to have it now. No, but she's just using pleasure and hunger as her guideline. Does that make sense? So they're not rules. I'm not saying rule, oh, you have to be hungry every time you eat. It has to be put. No, we're not using rules. What we want is you to develop the skill of body listening and for these to be the key things that you notice as you're listening, right? Listen for hunger. Listen for pleasure. Listen for pain, right? Oh, I have this gives me pain. Oh, this gives me inflammation. This, this feels good when I have this. Right. So what we want is for you to increase your enjoyment with food while you're and, and the way you're going to do that is by becoming a better listener. And then you're never going to be dependent on somebody's external food rules. Am I making sense, you guys? I hope so. All right. Let me know. Now we're going to go move on to our, our last big topic here, um, which is emotional eating. And I also have a talk on my podcast. We've gone over a lot of this stuff, guys. Uh, we also have a talk on my podcast called Emotional Eating 101. If this is something that you struggle with personally a lot, 
listen to emotional eating one-on-one, -on -one, listen to that class and you'll go, we'll go even deeper. But here's what we need to know for now. And these are the most important things for now is that there's a major problem with approaches that when, when, when approaching emotional eating anyway, through restriction, there's a big problem that comes up. And that is that it's trying to get rid of a coping tool without healing the problem or without growing out of it. So it'll basically say, um, if you want to emotionally eat, try to fight it or try to distract yourself or do something else, journal, go for a walk, take a bath. Not that any of those things are bad. Those are all positive things to do. But when it's coming from a place of restriction, as in you're only doing that to try not to eat, then it becomes a problem because now you're restricting yourself. So again, it brings up, you know, it's going to bring up the binger just because the restriction is already there. But it's not only that, but you're taking away your only coping tool before you're ready. So instead, what we want to do with body listening is this will allow you to outgrow the coping tool naturally and peacefully. So it's not something that we want to push away. We want something that we just want to grow out of in a different direction so it can naturally fall away. And, and that's what makes it effortless. That's what makes it feel effortless. So, cause you're doing it without fighting yourself and you're not leaving yourself without a way to cope, right? So we want to create this pattern and practice of body listening. So that way we can bring ourselves to a place where we are peaceful and the coping tool just kind of falls away. We don't need it anymore. So it's not like a white knuckle willpower with, oh, I need to just not eat in my times of crisis, which is what a lot of people you know, try to do. Instead, we want to say, okay, let's cultivate the, the healing and the growth that I need in order for this to not even be an issue, in order for this to not even come up in the first place. So much easier that way. So the question we want to ask ourselves here when we're finding ourselves wanting to eat emotionally is what is the real need here? Because if we're eating for emotional reasons or stress reasons or reasons outside of hunger, right, then obviously there's some kind of other need there. And usually the need is going to be somewhere around comfort. So it might be the need is for rest. It might mean, and we go over all this in our, in our other talks and also obviously really deeply in our program because we understand when we work with people one-on-one -on -one, what your unique things are. And then we don't need to go over, oh, here's all the possibilities. We just go right into what your stuff is and only work on that. And we leave the rest alone because we just want to focus on the things that are going to make the biggest difference to you. But in generalities, and this is you know how I need to speak right now because we're not doing one-on-one, -on -one, is we need to just ask in general, okay, what's the real need? So for those of you who um, crave sugar a lot, your need is a lot is likely going to be rest. Oftentimes it's rest that you're you're always um, mentally exhausted, uh, burned out, overwhelmed, anxiety. You need rest, right? Um, for some people, it's love. For some people, it's comfort. For some people, it's a break. For some people, it's, I mean, there's a whole list of things. 
But the bottom line is that there is a deeper need there. And when we learn to uh, body listen and we learn to practice communicating with the body, the real need can come forward. And then we can address the actual need, which will give you satisfaction, which will give you pleasure. And then the desire for food becomes more irrelevant. It starts to, like I said, fall away rather than you having to push it away or fight and say, oh, I'm not going to emotionally eat. Now, I want to talk about the first common resistance here, and that is self-criticism and judgment. Now, when it comes to emotional eating, it's very important that you refuse to judge yourself as you're healing during this time. The more we judge and the more we hate ourselves, the more we will overeat. If you haven't seen this pattern yet, pay attention because every person who I've met, including myself, I have lived through this as well, is the more we, we and a lot of times we think, oh, the harder I am on myself, the, the, the more I'll succeed, right? Because I'm really tightening the reins. But instead, when it comes from a place of self-criticism and judgment and self-hatred, it fuels overeating. We need to eat more to feel better because of the beating we just took and the beating we just gave. So it's very important if you don't remember anything else about emotional eating, at this juncture, it's important to remind yourself, I refuse to judge myself. I will not judge myself. And even if I judge myself, I forgive myself for judging myself and I'm not gonna judge my, we get in that loop, right? Like, oh no, I judge myself. Ah, no, I'm judging myself for judging myself. Ah. <laughs> It's okay. Breathe and just allow, allow your own um, growth and healing to take priority over everything else. So even if you notice a misstep or a judgment, it's better to learn from it and to just acknowledge like I'm growing and I'm healing and I'm building new skills and I don't need to be perfect right now, right? Or ever, <laughs> but I don't need to be perfect today because I'm growing. And as long as I'm progressing and I keep showing up for myself, that is positive. So the more you can reinforce that mentality over judgment, the better off you'll be for overcoming emotional eating. Um, the second resistance that I wanted to point out is impatience. So when it comes to emotional eating, and I think this, this kind of goes hand in hand with judgment, is we say, yeah, but I just don't wanna have this habit anymore and I just don't, and it goes away so quickly when you go through the body listening approach, but it will still probably feel slow because we want things to be instant. And that's also the weight loss culture, right? Is it promotes like these instant results before and after, right? But we never see the middle or what happens after the after, right? So what we want is instead to allow patience because Ultimately, this will be the fastest route to what you want is taking the time to do it properly and to build these skills properly versus just trying to rush to the end and then relapsing or all of it backfires. So it's important to have patience also with yourself and forgiveness with yourself. You've used food to cope for whatever reasons, but know that that was because you needed to cope. 
and you didn't have other tools. And that doesn't make you bad. That makes you a human being trying to survive in a crazy world. And everybody has their coping me mechanisms, right? For some people, it's food. For some people, it's drinking. For some people, it's TV, social media. You know, we all have our coping mechanisms. And as much as they might be destructive, we don't need to destroy ourselves for leaning on those when we needed to. Instead, you know, we can build up some a new set of habits, a new set of patterns, a new way of being. So those things can fall away. But let's also honor like that this helped us cope. Let's be forgiving of ourselves that we reached out to try to find help somewhere when we needed it. Yes, it didn't work out as a long-term solution, but we're still on board to save ourselves here. So let's be forgiving and compassionate of the journey that we've had. And instead of being impatient about the journey forward, let's just understand you know, what it took to get us here. And now to, to, to rewire our thinking and to rewire our way of being, it's also a process and it doesn't need to be hard. It doesn't need to be um, harmful, right? But it can be healing instead. And we, it, can, it can develop us as people and give us important life lessons that we'll continue to grow from and develop from. So all of this can be very positive, but we need to come at it from a place of forgiveness and self-compassion. Um, and then finally, another, the third common resistance I wanted to bring up today is uncertainty, right? Because with this sort of thing, we're building self-trust. This is one of, I would say, the biggest reasons why people choose to work with us privately also, because as you're going through this process, it brings up a lot of uncertainty because you've never hiked this path before. So it's really helpful to have a guide next to you being like, oh yeah, that's really normal. Oh yeah, up ahead, there's gonna be a little bit of a rock scramble. So make sure to tie up your hiking shoes. <laughs> so so it's helpful to, to know and to feel more certain putting one foot in front of the other. Um, so what's really important to remember is that there will be some uncertainty. Whenever we're in a process of building something new, and, and, and transitioning out of old habits, there's going to be that period where some of the old habits still exist, and then some of the new habit is now existing too. And this is a lot of times where people tend to get stuck because they, they're feeling the old habit, but they're also feeling the new habit. And they're like, ah, I need to find my footing. Um, but this is a normal thing to happen because the old patterns are falling away. The new patterns are growing and the mind is taking its time to catch up. And that's why we let this be a gradual process. So the mind can catch up. The mind can get on board. We Again, we want to work with the mind, not against it, not fighting it. We need to understand it so we can work with it and be supportive. And that will eliminate our suffering and it will improve just pleasure and, and peace in the experience. So the benefits of body listening, just to kind of summarize, it increases the self-trust. It increases physical comfort in the body. It decreases obsession around food. You'll see that this happened if you guys worked with us, you've seen that firsthand. It also allows the body to adjust safely. What do I mean by that? If, if the body needs to adjust itself hormonally, metabolism-wise, weight loss-wise, it can do so in a safe way 
because it's not trying to protect itself from you. It's not trying to protect itself from whatever you're doing to it with the diets and all that kind of stuff. So it can go through it gradually and it, and the body can sense, right? Oh, if I send a message that I'm hungry and then I'm fed, great. Now I don't need to hold on to all this extra stuff anymore because I know that when I ask, I will be fed. So the body gets, the body starts to feel safer and then it can release excess weight better, um, which always happens as a side effect, by the way, if you go into this with the goal of weight loss, it won't work. You need to do it. You need to let it happen as its own side effect in its own time. Let the body adjust, let it find its equilibrium. And it also, what body listening does is it allows for longevity in practice. What do I mean by that? is you don't need to change course depending on your age. <laughs> like with a diet, right? It's like, oh, this one doesn't work now. I have to find a new one. Oh, now I'm in my 60s. I need a new blah, 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 blah. When you, when you ha have developed the skill of listening to your body, that's a life skill. That's a lifelong skill. Um, it's, in my opinion, a multi-million dollar skill. <laughs> like this is worth everything because this is what's going to carry you the whole way for the rest of your life and that's ultimately what we need to think about some of you are in your 20s some of you are in your 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s who knows no matter what you've got time left right you've got time so think long term right i if you need to cultivate something that's going to last you long term right we need to choose something that's that that's going to stand the test of time. When we learn to listen to the body properly, we'll be able to do that always, as long as we're connected to the body, which we will be till we die. So it's a life, it's a life practice. Um, but the good news is it, is it only gets easier the longer you do it versus diets, which in my experience get harder the longer you do them. Um, so again, just to, just to kind of show that comparison. So if, Again, if we're kind of circling back to that diet mentality, not only does it teach you not to listen to your body, but diets also teach you to ignore your body signals or override them. And not only that, but they're often fueling the fight or flight stress state, which is the opposite of what we want. Because in order to listen to the body properly, we want to be in the parasympathetic. We want to be calm. We want to be receptive. We want to be objective. We want to be good listeners. How good of a listener am I going to be if I'm super stressed out? right? I'm going to be so focused on myself and chaos. It's going to be hard to even focus at all, right? If I'm in a relaxed state, so much easier for me to receive, so much easier for me to listen. Am I making sense? Does it make sense? Um, Nancy says, I heard that when you age, you, de you decrease in hormones and even though how much you eat or work out, you'll be fat. That cannot possibly be true. Um, but it would make sense, right, if we're following the diet practice, right, because we're continuing to throw our hormones out of balance, right, especially if we're constantly in the fight or flight, we're continuing to throw the hormones off balance, we're continuing to um, listen to external cues only, so we're following whatever any uh, other people are saying, oh, you should eat this much or this much or this much, but as we age, I actually hold the opposite opinion. The more we age, the, the longer we've been doing this. That means the better we get at it. 
So you're going to, if you practice this for five years, you're going to be better at it in five years than you are today. So the more you age, the more wisdom you're going to have, the more in tune, the more time you've spent in your body. So age can be your asset. It does not have to be the downfall. I have found that as I've aged, not that I'm, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. So it's not like I've, I'm old, <laughs> I guess, I guess to some, everything's relative, right? Um, I was call, called old by a child the other day, but what I've been finding is I'm only becoming more and more in tune with myself. I'm actually having less pain than I didn't. I had chronic pain for my entire twenties. I still have some chronic pain, but it's actually much, much less ever since I learned this skill. So this skill is not only applicable to food, it's applicable to everything. I'm using it now with work because I noticed that I have a tendency to overwork. So now I'm practicing body listening while I'm working instead of just being in my head all the time. So I'm noticing that as I age, I'm only getting better at this and I'm only getting healthier. Of course, the body decays naturally, blah, 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 we die. But <laughs> in between, there's a long period, right? So, so we don't have to accept the narrative of everything just goes downhill as we get old. There are so many things that improve as we age. And yeah, exactly, Nancy. You, Nancy wrote, I guess this skill is more practice than anything else. It's it's pretty much only practice. Like once you've got the theory, the practice, you know, and you guys have heard me say this so many times, practice is 99% of all of this, right? It's the, the theory can only take us so far. Um, one of my teachers has a quote, um, uh, an ounce of practice is worth a ton of theory. And I totally, in this context, absolutely. Your practice is going to be all of it. So speaking of practice, practice time. <laughs> so I'm. this is going to be a short practice today because I want to just still go over um, how you're going to practice this week on your own and some obstacles to watch out for. And I want to be able to do that all within the next 15 minutes. So um, let's start some practice. So what we'll do today is we'll just do a little bit of a body scan so you can just start to feel sensations and just start practicing awakening that skill of body listening. Now, as you do this with your meals throughout the week, which I'll guide you how to do that after this, you'll start to really see, um, you'll start to really see what's what. So let's begin together. So you can just sit up straight in your chair, wherever you are, and just straighten the spine by lifting the crown of the head to the sky. And we'll just take a moment to find stillness. Connect with the breath, nose breathing, right? In through the nose, out through the nose. And we'll begin by just slowing the breath down. Any amount, just slowing it down any amount. And wherever you are, blow all the breath out. We're gonna inhale for four and exhale for six. So inhale, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. 
Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Do two more like that on your own. Very good. Now return to normal breathing and just check in with the face. So we'll start to listen for some body signals here and just noticing physical sensations. So bring your awareness to your forehead. Keep the breath slow and relaxed. Just bring the awareness to your forehead. Is there any tension there? Just notice. And if there is tension, take a deep inhale and exhale, draw the eyebrows apart from one another. Good, one more time, deeply inhale. Exhale, see if you can relax the forehead any amount. Good. Now bring your awareness to the jaw. See if you can notice any tension in the jaw. Now, if there is tension, take a deep inhale. And exhale, separate the back teeth, relax the jaw. Let the tongue fall away from the roof of the mouth. Maybe create a little tiny space between the lips. Let the mouth relax any amount. One more breath here, deeply inhale. Exhale, relax the jaw any amount. Good, we're gonna visit two more places in the body. So let's go to the shoulders. And just notice any tension that you feel right now in the shoulders. Maybe it's in the neck. Maybe it's in the back of the shoulders, front of the shoulders. Now deeply inhale, lift the shoulders to the ears. And exhale, soften them down, release. Good, now without lifting the shoulders, just deeply inhale. And exhale, see if you can relax the shoulders any amount. One more breath like that, deeply inhale. Exhale, relax the shoulders. Good, now bring your awareness to the abdomen. And just take a moment to notice, is there tension there? Is there hunger there? Is there fullness? What sensations 
do you feel in the abdomen right now? Notice any sensations in the abdomen without trying to change them, just notice. Good, now deeply inhale. Exhale, relax the abdomen. Again, deeply inhale. Exhale, relax the abdomen. One more like that, deeply inhale. Exhale, relax the abdomen. Now just find stillness for a moment and just notice any sensations in the body that are just kind of calling out. Maybe there's tension, maybe there's an itch that you have somewhere. Maybe there's hunger. Maybe there's fatigue somewhere in the body. Just notice whatever comes up, no right or wrong. Good, now deeply inhale. Exhale, release. One more like that, deeply inhale. And exhale, release. And allow the eyes to flutter open. Good, good job guys. So um, let me know how you feel by the way, in the comments. Um, what this practice, okay, so basically I just wanna kind of walk you through what we did just so you can um, translate this into what I'm about to show you to do at home. Basically we, you, you did the practices that we did in class number one and two, right? So we did the breath work, right? Breathing in through the nose and there's more depth on that in class number one. Um, Amy says, ah, relaxing. Yes, that is the point. <laughs> uh, and then in class number two, we talked about the muscles, like the muscle relaxation, which we also practiced here. Um, so, oh, good, Nancy. Nancy, you just, Nancy just said, my eyes were so tired. I tensed them and released. That's beautiful. You let, you let yourself tense them. So that way they could feel the difference between tension and relaxation. So that way you're not holding that undercurrent of stress. Instead, you're you're under the body gets to learn the, the difference between tension and relaxation. So, so this, so you're going to continue to use these skills, but now you're looking for some more things and you're going to use this while you're eating. I'll tell you exactly what to look for in a second. I'll I wrote it all down for you. Um, yes. It's like I was full in my body. Exactly. This is the practice. It's, it's the transition from being in our heads to being in the body. Now, when we're in the body, but the mind is also present and focused on that, that's where you're going to get the most satisfaction from your eating. It's also where you're going to get the clearest signals for how you feel and what you need. Because 
first of all, remember I gave you the example of the, the cookie that, that disappeared, right? That's because the mind, the body had the experience, but the mind wasn't present for it, right? So here, like right now, you were present for all of those sensations. So if hunger were to come up, right, and you start to feel the belly grumbling, you're present, you can feel that. If you're feeling, oh, there's all this tension in my shoulders, right, you're going to feel that. If there's pain and you're eating and you're like, oh, this doesn't feel good, you will notice because you are in your body. Does that make sense? Um, Marie asked the question, I often have this type of chest anxiety that's harder to let go. Any idea? So first of all, and Jen also relates. Okay, so wherever the tension is, doesn't matter. So let's not get into our minds that one place is harder to let go than another place. First of all, it's great that you noticed the primary places where you hold tension, because that means you're probably, it's probably accumulating throughout the day, which don't worry, we can let it go. So there's a couple things. First of all, is to practice this um, uh, frequently, right? So throughout the day to just pay attention, be in the body more often, and you will notice, oh, chest, <sighs> let it go. Oh, now it's back. Let it go. And when you use the any amount principle, right, we don't need to get to the place where, oh, then there's no tension. I need to get to the place where I feel no tension at all. No, we're humans. We need to kind of like just to hold ourselves up. There needs to be some tension. <laughs> so so don't get it in your head that you need to like let everything go constantly. But just get yourself in the practice of 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 release. And then when the tension comes back, release again. So it's not that it's necessarily harder to let go. It just might come up more frequently. So when it does come up more frequently, let it go. And you use the same exact technique, right? And you can even, as you're breathing, uh, um, Marie, you can, you can, um, as you inhale, you fill up the belly and you also expand the chest. And then as you let it go, you're releasing from both. So the chest, um, this is actually, it's a different type of breathing. We teach it in our program um, as well. But I also, uh, I might've mentioned this already. I don't know. I try to keep things as simple as possible for these purposes, but this is called two-part breathing where the first part of the inhale is the belly. The second part of the inhale is the chest, but you kind of try to make it smooth. So it's, I'm showing you with my hands just so you can see where the attention is, but and then when you let it go, you let it go from both places. And then there's a little bit more of a release in the chest. But again, um, don't worry about getting it perfect. The idea is more about getting it frequently than getting it perfectly. So um, don't worry if there's tension here. Don't get it in your head that like this is like some kind of special tension that's especially hard to get rid of. It's not. But it's just, again, it's just practice and bringing your awareness there and not trying to push out the tension. I'm like, ah, I need to get it out of my chest. No, no, no. Just allowing whatever tension is there to be there, but just seeing if you can release any amount. It's a very light energy. So it's it's the mindset that goes with it too. We don't wanna be in the, ah, I need to get rid of this tension. <laughs> it defeats the purpose. So be kind, practice, you know, 
let it there. It's, it's here for a reason. It's been coming up for a reason. So be gentle with yourself as you let it go. And I hope that's helpful. Okay, so let me get into how you guys can practice this at home. So, um, and I'm going to go into more detail here. So this is not the only slide. So stay tuned for the next two slides because it's more detailed. But first, I just want to say from classes number one and two, we still want to get to the place where we're shifting to the parasympathetic. So I don't want you to forget those pieces. It's not going to be your main focus this week, but it's still your tool to deepen these new tools that you're using. So all of this is cumulative. It builds on each other. Um, but sometimes, and this is how Shahar explains it, Shahar is a mindset coach for those of you who don't know, he's amazing. Um, and he's on vacation right now, which is why I'm here alone. <laughs> but um, but what he always says, because he also teaches uh, martial arts and stuff, and what he says is, you know, first you learn how to punch, right? And then eventually you're also going to learn how to kick, right? But the thing is, is just because you're learning how to kick doesn't mean you need to then kick and punch always at the same time. Like first you learn to punch, then you learn to kick, then you start combining those things. So don't worry about, um, you know, getting everything perfect uh, with, with all your tools from class number one or two. Focus on what we've got going this week, but just keep it in the back of your mind. I want to be in the parasympathetic state. I want to work with my breath. I want to work with my muscles before, during, after eating. So I'm just planting that seed for the back of your head. Now, from this class, though, I want to give you some very specific practices. And I'm going to give you what I'm going to call a pleasure and pain exercise. Um, so let's go into that exercise. So first, we'll go into the guidelines of that. So here are some, here are some main guidelines that you can use to support you. So you're setting yourself up for success. First one here, uh, first bullet point, be mentally and physically present when you eat. So sit down and actually be here. So it's like how Amy just said, like I was fully in my body then, like be in your body, like be aware of what's happening, be where you are. A lot of times we're sitting somewhere, but our mind is like in another land. And I know that because my goodness, I live it every day <laughs> and I'm always bringing myself back. So um, the practice is, be where you are. The mind will wander. That does not make you bad. It does not make you wrong. It doesn't mean it's not working. It just means that's the nature of the mind is to wander. So our practice is bring it back to be present when you eat and to sit down to, and what sitting does, reason why I wrote sit is when we sit, we're anchoring ourselves into like, I'm here, like feel the table, be where you are. Okay, be in your body. Your body is your home for the time being while you're on this earth. Be in it. Spend some time in it. Be where you are. Um, tip number two, chew thoroughly. Okay, the more you chew, first of all, um, not only for the health benefits, since your stomach doesn't have teeth, but not so not only for the health benefits for your digestion to avoid bloating, things like that. There's many benefits to chewing. But the, the main benefit here that I wanted to point out is that it's going to give you time. It's going to give you time to feel. You're going to notice as you chew, maybe the first couple chews, you're going to, the food will actually taste different than the last couple chews. The texture will be different. So many things will be different. And here, what, you're, what I want you to feel is the experience of eating, like to experience the whole bite, like really be there for the whole process of putting it into your mouth, chewing, noticing any changes like, oh, that tastes really good. Oh, now it doesn't taste that good anymore. 
before I swallow. So, so the chewing will allow that, that time and, and more time for observation. Um, third bullet point, take your time between bites. So pause, check in. Um, there's, I always, and I believe it's because of, you know, just the people who I, who I grew up around me, I would mirror the way that they were eating. A lot of us, we, we pick up eating habits and patterns based on the people who are sitting around us. Um, and there have been studies that show that we, we eat similar amounts or eat at similar paces to whoever's in front of us. Um, so what I'm going to invite you to do is to not be um, swayed by these external cues and instead to focus on your internal right? We're turning our attention inward instead of outward. So take the time between your bites to check in with yourself. Because if you have a habit, which I know I had this habit of, I would start to fill up my fork right after I put the first bite in my mouth. So I put the first bite in my mouth and as I'm chewing, I'm already making my next fork full. I never put the fork down until I was done. So what I'm inviting you to do is put your fork down. Take some time between the bites, check in with yourself, check in with the body, do that little body, a, a, a mini version of that body scan that we just did to kind of like check in, how does the abdomen feel? How's my face? <laughs> um, and then of course, uh, the last bullet point here is shift into the parasympathetic using your tools. If you find yourself feeling scattered, um, if you have like a binge urge, like don't tell yourself not to, but just calm yourself, right? Um, if you're feeling chaotic, take like let yourself, you know, give yourself the grace and give yourself the the freedom to take a moment to calm. So that way you can do this and really get the benefits out of this exercise. Now, here's the exercise that I'm going to invite you guys to do. So this week, um, grab a piece of paper and just have it at your kitchen table or wherever you tend to eat. You can also take notes on your phone, but I do believe there is something um, beneficial. And there have been studies to this, which I couldn't reference any right now, but I know that there are studies that show that when you handwrite something versus type something, you get, there, there's like a different connection with the brain. But again, we don't need to be perfect here. So if your best option, if the, do what, the bottom line is do whatever method will get you to do this. <laughs> so if your phone is always with you and you're like, this is what's going to get me to do it, just write it on your phone. Who cares? I take notes on my phone. Um, so I want you to take notes on the following. And these are the, these are the main areas to look for. So first of all, hunger. So just observe, you know, when you're checking in with yourself before you eat, while you're eating, after you eat, check in, like, how has my hunger changed? So first you, you want to start when you're before you eat. Okay. Let me check in. What's my hunger level. So where do we want to focus on? We want to focus on the abdomen area just to see, okay, how does, how does I physically feel? Is there grumbling? Is there any kind of restriction? Um, is there, or constriction? I mean, is there any, um, is there any pain? Is there any? So just paying attention to what what sense what physical sensations are there, and just write them down. We're not trying to change anything. What you're doing here, all of the all of these notes that you're taking, there it's a listening practice. So it's not about listening to the mind; it's about listening to the body. So you're just going to take notes of oh, this is what I noticed in the body. Um, in terms of pleasure, oh by the way, actually let me go back to hunger for a second. So if you look at hunger right before you start eating, it's going to be different than if you check in at, at towards the end of the meal, right? 
your hunger level will be different. So you can write down like, oh, here's how it changed. Um, so really what you're doing is you're taking notes with kind of like that, you know, we talk about that researcher mentality, that scientist mind, that observation mind. So we're not saying, oh no, I'm halfway through the meal and I'm still hungry. Oh no, I hope I do. We don't want to go there. Instead, we just want to be like, hmm, hunger is here right now. Oh, now I'm feeling a bit less hunger. Oh, now I'm feeling no hunger. And just taking notes, just like a scientist, okay? Without attachment to what you feel like it should be. Um, and then the second piece that I'm going to invite you to, and by the way, you don't have to take even notes on all of these this week. You can pick one of these and you'll get benefits. Um, but I'm just giving you the main areas where to focus if you want to, you know, really immerse yourself here. So uh, pleasure. So if you're taking notes on pleasure, you might focus on texture, taste, physical feeling, right? So you might have a point in your meal where the body feels pleasurable or the, or, uh, the body feels pleasure um, and the taste buds uh, also feel pleasure. So you might have the, the taste pleasure and you might have the physical feeling of pleasure. Um, you'll see right underneath here, I have the category of pain. You might notice during the meal, oh, the taste buds are still experiencing pleasure, but now the abdomen is experiencing pain. So again, you're not trying to achieve any specific one feeling. Instead, your goal is to develop your skill of listening and paying attention to what sensations are there. You're learning to practice body listening. So the body can sense, oh, I'm being heard. I'm being listened to. So I can start to act you know, how I want to instead of just always trying to defend myself. But also you're just learning how to, to develop that skill within yourself. So that way diet, like food rules and diets are totally irrelevant because you can feel physically what feels good and you can feel physically what doesn't feel good. So your goal here is not to try to only do what feels good or only like, I don't want you to put this as like a rule or a goal. Your goal right now should be to cultivate the skill of listening. So to notice where is their pleasure? Where is their pain? And we don't beat ourselves saying, oh, I ate too much and that's pain, so I was bad. No, we don't want, we don't want to go there. And so we just want to say, oh, I noticed that after, you know, that third bite after I already noticed that I was feeling satisfied, I started to move into the pain end of the spectrum. And I noticed pain in my abdomen. So notice that the energy is not beating yourself. It's just observing and practicing the listening. Does that make sense? Also, what's always helpful and what I always recommend to everybody is write down your wins, write down your progress that you're seeing, or just any observations that you have. Because again, there's this is this journey is about you connecting with yourself. That's what this is really about. You connecting with yourself and creating such a strong uh, communication between you and you <laughs> that it that you can continue to cultivate this and carry it with you for life so that you only improve at this, that you get really clear signals from your body. My body used to have to scream at me in pain to get me to listen. Now I feel like a little twinge and then I can notice. My goal is to eventually get to the point where I don't even feel pain because I notice even before I get there. And you'll see that when you eat, you'll notice like, oh, I, I went, it feels like I just went straight from pleasure to pain and I missed the whole middle. Don't beat yourself for that, but write it down, right? Like, oh, I missed the middle. 
set the intention for next time. Next time I want to slow myself down more so I can feel myself going through that spectrum and noticing when I start to get into pain territory. Does that make sense? You guys understanding the, the, the assignment for this week? I just want to, you know, write in the comments, like, let me know that this is making sense to you. Um, and I'll just go quickly into the obstacles to watch out for. So, um, and this is one of two slides. There's actually a few obstacles here. So first of all, watch out for overthinking. Because remember, the main point here is to be in the body, not in the mind. So the mind's going to say, oh, you already ate this much. You shouldn't be hungry anymore. The mind's going to say, oh, that's bad. You ate till pain. You, you did it wrong. The mind's going to say these things. Let the mind say it. Just because the mind is saying it doesn't mean it's true, and it doesn't mean we need to indulge it or take it seriously. Instead, what we do when we notice the mind going there, we come back to the body, and we refocus ourselves on the physical sensations, and that is the practice. And then the mind will argue again, and then we just come back. And the mind will say something else, and then we just come back, and that is the practice. Um, also, watch out for self-criticism this week. Refuse to judge yourself. If you ate mindlessly, fine. Write down what happened as the observer. Forgive yourself and move on. You are on a path of growth. You are a path on a path of healing. It takes brave and courageous person to do that. So celebrate yourself showing up even when it's uncomfortable. Refuse to judge yourself. If you notice yourself judging yourself, forgive it, let it go. Easier said than done, I know, but I'm planting the seed for this practice for you because the judgment and the criticism only fuels the binges. It only fuels all the habits we don't want. So reinforce your progress and growth and focus on your healing, focus on building that trust within yourself. And when you hear that voice of self-criticism, which will come up, be kind to it. I know you're here to protect me. I know, but we're taking another path now. So I'm going to redirect my thoughts. Okay, it doesn't need to be a battle. Um, another obstacle to watch out for, don't forget to write your wins. Writing your wins and do it in, do it in the group. Tag me in it. I can help you. <laughs> um, don't forget to write your wins because this is reinforcing the success mentality. We'll talk about this more next week. I won't go into it too much. But there are multiple things that you can do to reinforce your success mentality, which will uh, basically eliminate self-sabotage. And that's, we don't want to self-sabotage. We want to continue to progress. So writing your wins and reinforcing, ah, oh, yeah, I am improving. Yes, I am progressing. We, the more successful we feel and the more we can notice where we're succeeding, guess what? The more we'll continue to succeed. Um, last obstacle here on this slide, losing sight of proper mindset alongside the strategy. So again, come into this with the mindset of the observer, not the judger. Okay. Uh, another obstacle to watch out for using the tools to try to get rid of binge eating versus training the skill. So if you're if you go into this and say, I'm only going to eat when I'm hungry, I'm only going to eat when it's pleasurable, and that's going to keep me from binging and then I'm going to lose weight. It's not going to work because you're coming into it with I'm trying to get rid of something. I'm trying to push something away. Instead, focus on I am training the skill to listen to my body so I can have this skill for the rest of my life and I never have to deal with this crap again. That's, that's what we're really going for here is I'm training the skill. I'm learning to be a good listener. That's the goal this week. 
Um, also watch out for any rushing or impatience or mindless practicing. Um, also watch out for the all or nothing mentality. So if you miss the practice and you forget to do it, that's okay. Just do it as soon as you remember. Um, and remember the any amount principle. Um, you are training your skills and you're growing. You're not trying to be perfect. We don't need to be perfect. Perfection does not create growth. <laughs> we don't want it. Um, instead, any amount and every amount that you practice progresses you more, reinforces the new neural pathways, reinforces your new physiology, reinforces your new belief system. Any amount will do that. So allow yourself to celebrate any amount. And remember, this is 99% practice. So while the theory is important to have, just so we can get on board, the practice is what will actually show you the results. And we can see it. I mean, I was thrilled to see you guys practicing these last couple of weeks and I've gotten to read your wins and stuff. And, you know, there's a bunch of you who are practicing and seeing changes already. And that's incredible. And you're doing this on your own. So two thumbs up to you. So just to summarize what we talked about today. So first we talked about the mindset. Then we talked about the diets and the rules approach versus the body listening approach. Then we talked about hunger and some common resistances around that. We talked about satisfaction. We talked about emotional eating. Um, we did a little practice to tune into the body and to see and feel sensations and to feel sensations and to practice listening in, in regard to like physical cues. We went over how you're gonna practice at home this week and some obstacles to watch out for. So again, I'm just going to leave this slide up here for a second so you can see that your practice this week, you're still gonna try to shift into the parasympathetic with your breath work and muscle relaxation while you're eating. And when you do that, you're gonna be able to start taking these notes from an observational standpoint of, oh, hunger, ah, pleasure, ah, pain, where are they? Where am I experiencing those right now? And you're doing all of this without judgment. And then of course you'll write your wins. So this is how to practice at home. Does that make sense? Whew, guys, this was, this was a long one, but I'm amazed at how much we got into one session. So I'm gonna thank you guys, first of all, so much for hanging in with me and for participating. And um, I am very grateful to have this experience with you. Next week, we're going to focus on the mind. And this is where I would say 90% of the hangups that our clients experience while they're working through these tools, I would say 90% of the obstacles come from mindset more than actual technique or strategy. So um, I would I would venture to guess that in this group, it will be the same, that most of the challenges that will come up will be mindset oriented. So this is what we'll make sure to cover in depth next week. So thank you again for being here. I am grateful to be sharing this with you. Um, thank you for your kindness. Uh, be kind to yourself and I'll see you next week. Happy practicing. Bye guys.